0: Welcome to the podcast of Chespro Baptist Church. We're continuing in our series on soul repair. And the title of the message this morning is, I Feel Like a Failure. Please enjoy. Uh, Psalms 51. If you have your places in Psalm 51, I'm going to ask you to stand, respect, and reverence to the Word of God. We're going to read one verse, pray, and then sit back down. We're just going to read verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. The title of the message is, I Feel Like a Failure. I Feel Like a Failure. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would reach into the service today. Lord, I pray that you would help us, bring us closer to you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us with this thing about feeling like a failure. Because Lord, we fail over and over again. Be with the message this morning. In Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So if you don't know, for the past few weeks, and uh, we have been going through a Sunday morning series entitled Soul Repair. Where we just take six sermons and just kind of heal from this past year. Heal from all the corona and, and just heal from all the everything we went through over the past year so we can refocus, reinvigorate, remotivate, and move forward in service for the King. Now, we've went over several topics in this series, and this, this morning, this is going to be the last message in this series, and it is called, I Feel Like a Failure. Let's read our scripture one more time. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceives me. When my wife told me, that I was going to be a dad, it was one of the greatest moments of my life until I found out it was going to be a boy. Then forget about it. And when I found out the second one was going to be a boy, I mean, listen, I was like, I've had my boy. Now, if I have a girl, it's okay. And then I heard two boys. I was like, yes, you know, the typical guy, want boys, and when I, when I heard I was going to have my boys, I was just so excited. And then they came out, and guess what? They're little sinners. They lie, and they cheat, and they steal, and they whine and complain because and, they're just little sinners. That little girl back there is so cute, but she's a little sinner. She's just a little cute photogenic sinner, Okay. That is is what she is. And when you have kids, it brings in the reality of sin. But before we go pointing fingers at the kids, we're sinners too. We are sinners too. And remember, we're bad sinners and we fail all the time. And to be honest with you, I have failed before as a parent. I've made mistakes as a parent. I've failed as a parent. And, and, and I can't tell you how many times I've made a bad call, how many times I've gotten mad over something that was insignificant that I really shouldn't have gotten mad over, how many times that I've, I've punished the wrong child because I made the wrong call. I have failed as a parent before. You know, how often do we fail... And then we try to cover it up with another failure. And we fail, and then we try to cover that up, and we cover that up, and we try to cover that up, and before you know, this thing snowballs and gets away from us. Maybe at work, you fudge the numbers a little bit. Well, so your balls won't get on to you. Well, then the next time, you got to fudge them a little more. And you got to remember what you said the last time. And it just failure on top of failure on top of failure. And then it becomes one mistake after another mistake after another mistake. Maybe you've fallen into an addiction. And instead of dealing with the addiction, you let it go. And it ended up hurting your family. We all fail. Today, tomorrow... Or the next day we will fail. And what I want to do this morning is I'm going to look at Psalms 51 and I want to talk about what happens when we fail. And I'm talking to people today in this church building, you feel like a failure. Let me tell you something. The Bible is full of failure. Abraham lied. Sarah doubted. Jacob deceived his own father. Moses, we've heard of Moses. Moses was a murderer. Elijah, that great prophet, he ran in fear. Rahab was a prostitute. Job lost everything he had. Talk about a failure. Peter denied Christ. Paul persecuted Christians. And then the man of the hour, old King David... And we spent this whole series in songs because David knows what we're going through. And and if anybody has ever failed, it has been King David. King David, he failed miserably. And then he tried to cover it up with more failures and more failures. And it's just become one mistake after a bigger mistake after a bigger mistake. Now, up until the age of 50 years old, David was a pretty good king. Up until the age of 50 years old, David uh, was a very, very successful king. He had tremendous success. Then in Psalms 11.1 it says, Then it happened in the spring, at the time when the kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, And they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David stayed at Jerusalem. That's failure number one. Failure number one is David stayed at home when he should have been out leading wars. You see, the springtime was the time to go out to battle. You see, in the Near East, when it was springtime, the weather was really good, and so it was a good time to go out. Uh, another thing that helped is during the springtime, there's food everywhere. So as you're traveling down the road, there's food growing everywhere for your, your troops to eat and so there's food everywhere. But David, it was the time of the year when David was a king and he was supposed to go out to battle, but he abandoned his purpose and he got lazy and, and he lost focus and he, doesn't, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And that was failure number one. 2 Samuel eleven two. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Failure number two. David had an affair. And by the way, Let me say this. No one ever plans to have an affair. No one ever plans that. Two people don't go to their wedding and get married and you say, guess what? Our plan is we're going to get married and we're going to have a couple of really good years together. We're going to have a couple of really cute kids. And then sometime in the not so distant future, one of us is going to have an affair and ruin everything. We haven't decided which one it's going to be yet, but that is our plan no couple ever said. No couple ever plans on having an affair. You see, that's the thing. No one ever plans to fail, but too few people plan not to fail. Too few people plan not to fail. No one plans on failing at their job. No one plans on going in massive debt. No one plans on becoming an addict and and getting trapped in the thralls of addiction. No one plans on destroying their testimony and destroying their reputation and destroying their life. No one ever plans on that. What happened is these little failures, they begin to snowball into bigger and bigger failures because you did not make plans not to fail. So how in the world can I do that? How can I make plans not to fail? I'm glad you asked. Number one, you got to have boundaries. You have got Listen, you have got to set some boundaries in your life. Before you find yourself in potential failure, you've got to set some boundaries. Another word I like to use is guardrails. You have got to put some guardrails up in your life or you're going to find yourself one day in a world of hurt. You don't trust yourself with your phone. You need to... Let your wife check your phone. You need to let your spouse check your phone regularly without warning so you can be held accountable. So I, I don't trust myself not to go to this place where, you know, this thing about the iPhones is you can even turn on a locator where people can see where you are at all times. Do you have any boundaries set up in your life? Do you have any guardrails? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going over to my buddy's house anymore because, man, he's not a good influence on me. And he's going to drag me down the wrong path. Do you have any boundaries? Do you have any guardrails? Number two, you got to have some habits. You got to make some habits. You have to say to yourself, I am going to make some good habits. You have to say, you have to say, every time I swipe that card, I'm writing it in the checkbook. Every single time. It doesn't matter if it's a tank of gas. It doesn't matter if it's a snicker bar. I am going to write that down every single time because I'm tired of my bank going in the negative And I'm tired of being in debt. I have to climb my way out of this you got to make some habits. You have to say, I'm going to set an alarm. I'm going to get up a little bit more early than I should. And I am going to spend some time with God no matter what. Every day. I am going to make it a habit. These are habits. Making plans not to fail. And then number three, you have to make a list of what I call never-evers. You've got to make a list of never-evers. These are things that you are never, ever going to do. You have to say, I am never, ever going to try that substance. I'm never, ever going to do it. I am never, ever going to be along with that person because it's not going to be good. It can't be good. No good can ever come of it. I am never, ever going to be alone with that person. I am never, ever going to steal money. I am never, ever going to steal time from my job. I am just never, ever going to do it. What kind of plan do you have today? Are you making plans not... To fail. Man, David sinned with Bathsheba and then she got pregnant. So David's like, I have got to cover this up. And so he calls in Uriah the Hittite as a uh, to, as a as a fall under the false pretense of getting a report from battle, and then he sends him home uh, that night uh, to be with his wife to try to cover up this sin. But Uriah wouldn't go in his house. He slept on the king's palace floor. The next day, David's like, Uriah, he didn't go home. No, not when my brothers are out fighting in the battle. So he said, why don't you stay one more night with me? And he took Uriah the Hittite and he had a big feast and he got him drunk with wine and even drunk, there were some things that Uriah wouldn't do and Uriah still would not go into his house because his brethren were out there fighting in the battlefield and he was not going to go into his house. So David concocted a plan. And David wrote a letter sent by Uriah's own hand to Joab. And and Uriah had no idea that he was carrying his death sentence. And he went and gave the letter to Joab. And the letter to Joab said, put Uriah in in the hottest, fiercest part of the battle and do not pull back until he is dead. And David murdered Uriah. So we have went from one little mistake of not being where you're supposed to be, and this has snowballed into one of your most elite soldiers being murdered in battle. And guess what? It took Nathan to open David's eyes. 2 Samuel 12, 9, why have you despised the word of the Lord doing evil in his sight? I'm here to tell you today that David failed miserably. He abandoned his purpose, adultery, deceit, lies, murder. How in the world can anybody ever come all of that? How is it possible for this list of transgressions, for this list of failures, how can God ever use someone like this? And I wonder if there's anybody in here that's asking the same thing about yourself. Brett, you don't know what I've done. Man, I've got a list just like David's. You know what? Maybe you don't have a list like David's. Maybe it's not as long. Maybe it's just got one or two things on it. It could be as simple as you told yourself you weren't going to go back to pornography. You left it behind. You moved forward. But then one day you slipped up. And you fell back into it and you just, you're so discouraged and depressed, and you're just like, well, what now? What do I do now? What do you do? How can I possibly overcome this? Well, Psalms 51 was written by David as a reflection of his sin with Bathsheba. And what I want to do today, and I promise I'm not going to be long, this is going to be a short message this morning, I've got three things this morning that I want to share with you that David did to overcome failure. Because we are sinners, and we are going to mess up, and we are going to make mistakes, and we are going to fail, and we are going to be failures for the rest of our lives. How do you overcome failure? How do you do it? Number one, come clean. Come clean. If you try to cover up that failure, you're not going to get rid of it. The most important thing that you can do to overcome any failure is admit it to God. God, I failed. I messed up. I made a mistake, God. I've I've done wrong, God. God. And then for one year, on the outside, man, everything looked fine with David. Man, for one year after he killed Uriah the Hittite, he was just going along and he was doing his kingly duties and he was doing everything that was expected of him and he was uh, just, just doing everything that he was supposed to. But then one day Nathan came up, and, and little did we know that everything looked good on the outside, but in the inside, David's insides were tearing him up. And then Nathan confronted him, and he came clean. Psalms 51, verse 4. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. It took Nathan to confront him. Now, here is my wish for all of you. I hope each and every person in this church today, I hope you have a Nathan. I hope you have somebody in your life that will call you out on your jump. Because we need that. I hope that you have somebody in your life that when they see you inching towards a cliff, they love you too much to keep their mouth shut. And they will speak. Speaking warnings of sin is not hate. And it never will be. It's love. I hope you have somebody in your life that loves you that much. That, will, that when you see you inching towards a cliff, they will speak up because they don't want you to go over the edge. Now look, it took David some time to come clean. And man, I can relate to this because when I mess up, I don't want to confess it. I don't want to deal with it. I want to just put it in the back and forget about it. I don't want to deal with it. I procrastinate as much as I can. Why? Because it's embarrassing. Admitting your failure, admitting your mistake, it's embarrassing, and it's actually destructive. It's embarrassing, and and, and it's destructive when we admit that we've messed up. It's not easy to admit that we failed. It is so hard to come clean about it until you get caught. And when you get caught and it's easy to come clean, maybe you should come clean before you get caught. Tiger Woods was on track to being one of the greatest golf players that ever played the game. You see these, he was just good. You see these Nike commercials where he just bounces the ball on his club, and, he is, and then he hits it in the air. And Tiger Woods was amazing. Tiger Woods was on track to getting Phil Nicholson's record and winning the most uh, major uh, tournaments in a row. He had won five major tournaments five years in a row, and he was on track uh, for his whole life uh, which is he was on track to be one of the greatest golfers who ever lived until one morning in 2009 when he crashed his Escalade into his neighbor's house and his wife reached in the Escalade and dragged his drunk, high, out-of-it body into the street to wait on the police to get there. And then it all came out. And what all came out about Tiger Woods is he had had affairs all over the country, addicted to pills, addicted to prescription medicine. And they just recently did a documentary where they interviewed Tiger about this. And he said, I had all the fame, I had all the money, it was so easy to get these things. And I thought it was owed to me. I thought this is my reward for all the time and all the effort that I've put into being the best. I thought all of these affairs and all of these drugs and all these binger parties, I thought this was my reward for all the hard work that I've done. Now, listen. He tr- and he, he just tried to cover it up until he couldn't cover it up anymore. Now, we may not have the money and the fame that Tiger Woods has, but we are still tempted to think we can cover up our failures. We're still tempted to think that. So, listen today don't cover it up, don't excuse it. I'm telling you, come clean. Admit it. Confess it today. But some of you won't. Some of you won't do it. Right now, you are feeling the Holy Spirit conviction to admit this and to admit it to God and talk to God about it and get it out there and say, yes, this is going to be the last day. I am going to confess it today. But you may feel the Holy Spirit conviction, but you are not going to do it. Listen, I know it's embarrassing. I know it's destructive. But I'm telling you, you will never overcome this failure if you do not come clean. Say the same words that David said. Against you and you only I have sinned and done evil in your sight. See, it is only when you bring your sin out of the darkness into the light, that it, that it loses its grip on you and it loses its power over you. You have to bring it from the darkness into the light. And it's not just one thing. It's, it's, this isn't just a one-time thing. This is an everyday thing. And it's not just the big things. It's the little things too. You have got to bring these sins into the light. You've got to come clean. Oh, but this is the hard part. I hadn't got to the hard part yet. This is the hard part. You have to come clean to the people that you failed against. That takes guts. That takes a lot of courage. But you over want, if you want to overcome it, You've got to come clean. Number two, you've got to ask forgiveness. You've got to ask forgiveness. Let's go to verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 51. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You know, It's one thing to admit that you're wrong. It's another thing to go to God and ask for forgiveness. I know married couples in here, I know y'all never fight. I know you never, ever have an argument. But on the rare occasions that you do, you fight and you go at each other and then the fight's over and everybody gets quiet. And then somebody, somebody's got to say, I'm sorry. And it's usually, man, no. um, But just a joke. Lord, I apologize for that there. (laughs) Somebody has got to say, I'm sorry. Somebody's got to do it. Your relationship's not going to move forward if you don't. Somebody has to say, I'm sorry. Somebody has to apologize. Now, look, I know you love your spouse, but I can guarantee you that the love you have for your spouse pales in comparison to the love that God has for you. And when you mess up, somebody's got to say, I'm sorry. Romans 5.20, where sin is increased, grace abounded all the more. Do you know what that means? That means that God's grace is greater than your worst failure. Write that down. If you, did, if you have trouble with this, that's something you need to write in, your, in the margin of your Bible. That, that God's grace is greater than your worst failure. God's grace is greater than your anger. God's grace is greater than the lies that you have told. God's grace is greater than that addiction that has a grip on you. God's grace is greater than that affair that you're having a hard time walking away from. God's grace is greater than your worst failure. Verse 7, Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. When you ask for forgiveness from God, you are forgiven. The Bible says whiter than snow. You overcome that failure by asking for forgiveness. Let me let you in on a little secret. Your sins have already been paid for. Did you know that? Did you know your sins have already been paid for? Did you know that when when Jesus died on the cross, He took all of our sins, past, present, and future, He took those sins with Him. You will never see the penalty of sin that you deserve. They're already paid for. Just ask for forgiveness. God's grace is so much bigger than your worst failure. Then number three, let God use your failure to change your future. Let God use your failure to change your future. Let me tell you something, you cannot change your past. So many times I've wanted to hop in the DeLorean and go 88 miles an hour and change my past. Doc won't let me, okay? You cannot change your past. But you know what your past can do? Your past can change your future. Did you know that? Your past can change your future. Did you know that your past addiction can help others break free? Did you know that your experience with marriage conflict can actually help a young couple who's struggling? But in order to change your future, you have to leave your past in the past. One preacher said it like this. He said, bury dead yesterdays. Bury dead yesterdays. Yes, you've got to look at your failures. You've got to learn from your failures. You've got to examine them to see how not to repeat them. But, But then you've got to bury them. And walk away from them. You've got to bury them. Because if you don't, if you decide you're not going to bury that failure, you're going to carry that failure with you into the future. And what's going to happen is you're going to start to shape your identity around that failure. Failure, and the longer you hold on to that failure, the more your identity wraps around that failure, and the harder it is to get rid of it. What voice do you hear in the back of your head? Do you hear the little voice that says, You're not good enough? Do you hear the little voice that says, You're always a failure? Or do we listen to what Christ has to say about who we are? You know what Christ says? You are forgiven. Now bury those dead yesterdays. David made many mistakes. But once he came clean, and once he asked for forgiveness, God changed his future. Look with me in Psalm 51, starting in verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from Your presence and do not take Your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of Your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Listen to verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors Your ways and sinners will be converted to You. David is using his past to help others. I don't know why God put me through what I went through, so you can help somebody else that went through the same thing that you went through. And I get a witness. That's why God put you what, that's why you went through what you went through, so you can help somebody else. That's why you experienced it. David is using his past to help others. But did you hear some of the words? Man, David had some pretty big failures. Lies, deceit, murder. But did you hear some of the words that are being used here? Listen to these words. Create, renew, restore, sustain. God is restoring David. God can use Our past mistakes to make a better future. He can use your past mistakes to make a better future for you. He can make your past mistakes to make a better future for your brothers and sisters in Christ. He can use your past to make a better future for anybody. But maybe you still think that there's no hope for you. Maybe that little voice in the back of your head is just... Too loud. Man, Brett, you do not know what I have done. How in the world can I ever overcome that failure? Well, do you remember the list of biblical failures that we listed at the beginning? We talked about it earlier. Man, they had a lot to overcome. But God used their past failure to change their future. Abraham lied, and then he founded a nation. Sarah doubted, but go to Hebrews 11, and you'll see her in the hall of faith. Sarah doubted, but she left the legacy. Jacob deceived his father yet he fathered the twelve tribes of Israel. Moses was a murderer. Moses freed his people. Elijah ran in fear, but he came back to God. Rahab was a prostitute. Man, she trusted God to protect her family. Job... Man, he lost everything. Talk about a failure. He lost it all. But you see, that was when he discovered that God was enough. Peter denied Christ. But Peter also helped build the church. You're in this building today because of some of the things that Peter did. Ultimately what Jesus did. Paul... Persecuted Christians, but he also spread Christianity more than any other person in history. And then King David. King David failed, but he, he went through these steps, and God restored him. And David and Bathsheba had a son. And that son's name was Solomon. And then he had a son. And then he had a son. And then he had a son. Until one day, a son was born whose name was Jesus. Which, by the way, is the one who never fails. I don't know what your failure is today. But I want to tell you that there is one who has never failed. And His name is Jesus. And He can change your future. So come clean. Admit that you've fallen short. Ask for forgiveness. It can be wiped clean. It can be whiter than snow. Jesus can and Jesus will